This is number 38 of the Raising Mums podcast. Welcome to Raising Mums, a live weekly broadcast streaming on Facebook and Instagram that inspires mums to live with purpose and intention, to raise their children mindfully and empowers mothers everywhere to own their lives and thrive doing it. What is the one thing that you must do if you homeschool your children? I know that you're tired some days. I know that some days it feels like there just aren't enough hours in the day. But if you could only do just one thing, what would it be? Welcome, everybody. Assalamu alaikum. Um, welcome to today's live broadcast. We are going to be talking about that one thing. What is the one thing that you must make sure that you do every day in your homeschool? If you don't know me, my name is Dr. Gemma Elizabeth. I am the founder of the award-winning blog, Our Muslim Homeschool, the creator of the online homeschooling course, Launch Your Homeschool, and the host of this podcast, Raising Mums. Um, I'm a homeschooling mum. I have four kids, and we homeschool in the northwest of England. Um, I'm so glad to see all of you guys popping on. We've got Nafisa. Assalamu alaikum, Nafisa. Um, so, before we get started, let me introduce today's sponsor. So today's episode is sponsored by Tutorful. Tutorful is the trusted way to find a tutor. Um, it's accessible to everybody and they offer tuition in over 300 subjects, and have, which includes all the academic subjects, but also more specialized subjects like photography and coding. Um, they are rated 4.8 out of five stars by Trustpilot. Um, and have been trusted by more than 200,000 parents and students and have taught more than 1.5 million lessons on their website. Um, they vet all the tutors before they use their site. Um, and there's a satisfaction guarantee as well. So if after the first lesson, your child doesn't feel like their tutor is the right fit for them, then Tutorful will give you the next lesson with a new tutor completely free of charge, no questions asked. And so as a parent, you can browse through their site, look through their list of tutors, and then you will be matched with the best tutor for your child. You can check out their qualifications, their teaching style, and then you can get in touch with that tutor, either through messaging or you can arrange a complimentary call to talk about the needs of your child and see if that tutor is the right fit for you. All those lessons will be personalised and tailored for your child's needs and they take place on the Tutorful website itself, on their interactive classroom. Um, and so your child can see the video, they can see their tutor and there's like a uh, interactive uh, whiteboard uh, and a way that your tutor and your child can share documents. So if you're interested in finding the perfect tutor for your child, check out Tutorful. The link for that is with this video, um, with the show with the with this podcast, and in Instagram, it's in my show notes, in my uh, profile. Right, let's get on with this. So today we're talking about what is the one thing that you must do when you homeschool. And I'm really interested to think, to, to see and hear what you think that one thing might be. What is the one thing that you think you must do every day with your children if you homeschool? Assalamu alaikum, Islamic Montessori, Sarah, Nusheen. So guys, what do you think? What is that one thing that you have to do every day with your children when you homeschool? Pop it in the comments, pop it in the chat, um, and I'll have a look through. So when it comes to homeschooling, 
you guys who follow me, you know that I am, I'm always on the side of the mums. I'm always looking for ways to make things easier for you. Um, you know, I know how it feels emotionally when you homeschool. I know physically the struggles that you go through. I know, you know, just logistically how difficult it can be to fit everything in in the day. And so usually I'm completely on your side. But I also speak to a lot of mums who are at the other end, who have been through homeschooling and they've come out the other end and some of them have regrets. And one of the biggest regrets that, one of the biggest regrets that I hear most often is that they didn't push writing more. Their children were reluctant to write, they were a bit resistant to writing. And so they never really forced it. There was never really the need for it. And later down the line, when those children had to sit exams and when they were forced to write more, it was a real struggle. Now they overcame it, they managed, but those mums always think, oh, if only when they were younger, we'd forced a little bit more writing every day. Now, uh, when it comes to writing, there's, it doesn't have to be complicated, okay? Has anybody here heard of Pareto's Principle? Um, Pareto's principle says that you get 80% of your results from the 20% of your actions. Conversely, 20% of your actions will cause 80% of your results. So what is it that is that 20%? What is it that will, if you do that 20%, you're going to get 80% results with writing? Assalamu alaikum, Ms. Burr, Sidra. Assalamu alaikum. Okay, so let me tell you, what is that one thing? The one thing that you must do every day with your child is narration. You must get your child to narrate every single day. Now, if you're new to homeschooling, if you're new to this uh, podcast, if you're new to the Charlotte Mason philosophy, you might not know or be clear what narration is. So I'm going to briefly explain it for you. So narration is very, very simply just the art of telling back. So, for example, you read aloud a few pages to your child from a book and they tell you back what they took from it, what they heard, what they understood. Um, you can either do this in orally or you can do it in written form. Um, so younger children under nine will speak their narration. They will tell you orally and children over nine will do uh, at least one written narration a day. Now, why is this so powerful? Why am I saying this is the one thing you must do with your children? Imagine that, imagine you've got that child in front of you, okay? And you read a chapter from the Gruffalo. Let's just say the Gruffalo. You read, you read the Gruffalo book to them. Now, they know that they're going to be required to tell you back. So first of all, they're going to concentrate. They're really going to learn the art of how to focus and how to concentrate when necessary. They're going to listen attentively and it's going to teach them to not be lazy with their schoolwork. The second thing is they're going to have to comprehend. It's comprehension. Learn to understand what's being read. And then what is happening in their brain when that's going on? They're going to have to process that story. So they bring that, when it's time for them to narrate, they have to bring that story back into their mind's eye. And they have to fish through all of the thoughts they're having and decide what is important in that story. What do I need to say and what can I ignore? And then they have to order those thoughts in chronological order. How did the story take place? So they have to decide what they want to say. 
and then they have to find the words to express themselves. And then if they're older and they're writing their narration, they have to write it legibly with grammar and spelling, but they have to be able to express themselves in words. They have to express what's going on in their mind in words. So narration is so powerful because it teaches children to write and to think. Cindy Rollins, many of you will know who Cindy Rollins is. She's a bit of a uh, fairy godmother of the homeschooling world. Cindy Rollins said that narration is synthesis. So the child is synthesizing, bringing together all their ideas and thoughts and synthesizing it into something unique, their own telling of that story. Um, Karen Andreola, another very famous homeschooling author, she said that narration is the art of knowing. Because once you, your child processes all those thoughts, listens to the story and processes it all, they really know that information, uh, especially if they write it down afterwards. Now, narration is the core. It's really at the centre of the Charlotte Mason philosophy of education, and it's really at the centre of the classical approach to education as well. It might seem very alien to some of you, but if you think about it, it actually plays upon the nature of the child. Your children naturally probably already do this. They probably already run to you and tell you the exciting thing they just saw outside, or the funny thing that their brother just said. Children love to tell stories, generally, um, and that is all narration is. It is using their God-given instincts and using that to help educate them. Um, Charlotte Mason said that this is an amazing gift with which children are born and should not lie fallow in their education. And it is a gift that the Charlotte Mason philosophy and classical educators utilise. Um, and I think it's, it makes a lot of sense in the homeschool setting. You know, when you, unlike school, where children are told to sit down and be quiet, what the Charlotte Mason philosophy does through narration is it encourages talking. It encourages you, your child, to tell as much as they can about what has just been read to them. Um, so, you know, this is how we teach read, this is how we teach writing, excuse me. I, you know, I have looked at quite a few writing curriculum, homeschool curriculum, and I have, I've not chosen to use any of them. And the reason for that is what you see in writing curriculum generally is a very, it teaches children to write in a very um, dry, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Very prescriptive. It teaches children to write in a very prescriptive way, which is often very dry. And what many of you will know, those of you who've ever tried writing after you left school, and people who want to write, like me, when you start to write, you have to actually unlearn everything that you learn in school. Because that kind of writing is not good writing. And if you want to be a good writer, you can't write that way, the way you learned at school. And so it's crazy. Why learn that way in the first place if you only have to unlearn it? So instead, keep it simple and do and use narration. And it's so easy to implement in the home. You read aloud to your child, or if your child's able, they read independently. And then they come to you and they tell you in their own words, this is not a memorization exercise, this is in their own language, what they read. Or if they're older, they'll do a written narration. So written narrations are not for children who are, they're for children over nine years old, and then it might just be one a week. 
And then you gradually increase that to be maybe one a day. Um, and again, narration shouldn't be forced in children under six years old, only for children six and above. Of course, if you have a little one who's eager to join in with their elder brothers and sisters, then don't stop them from giving a narration, but don't expect it. Um, and you'll find that some children take so naturally to narration. It just, it comes so easily to them. It's like a performance, I have a child like that, that is difficult to get them to stop. And they need narration because they need to learn to be concise. They need to learn which thoughts are important and which ones are not. They need to teach, you need to train them how to be succinct. And then I have also a child, and some of you may have children like this, who struggle a lot with narration. They struggle to to order their thoughts. They struggle to find the right words and express themselves in the way they want. Those children need narration more than anybody. And even though it might be a struggle, you are giving them a great gift in teaching them how to express themselves well in words and express themselves well through writing. So those children, if you have a child like that, don't give up because they need narration more than anybody. Um, and I think, you know, narration in those busy seasons of life where, where it, your homeschooling efforts might be a bit sparse, where things might not be going as planned and um, you feel like you're not getting much done. If you're in that season of life, do, do not leave narration because narration is, like we said at the beginning, that 20%, that small act that will lead to 80% of your results. So never leave narration. Okay, um, if you have any questions, please pop them in the comments and I will take time to answer them. On um, Instagram, there's a little question mark bubble thing. If you wanna pop your questions in there, it'd be easy for me to find. If not, I am gonna scroll through, inshallah. Um, I can see some things coming up on Facebook, so I will just have a scroll through. Welcome, salam, Sidra. Okay, Mispa. Okay, this is a great question. So Mispa is saying, we are bilingual, Urdu and English. If we read English books, should they narrate in English only or is it okay if they narrate bilingually? Yeah, they can narrate bilingually. They can, you can do both. I see no reason for that. Um, in fact, I think it's definitely a beneficial thing, Mispa, if you do do both. Then they will become proficient writers and speakers in both Urdu and English and they'll... Uh, be an advantage, mashallah. So yes, both languages are great. Um, oh, mashallah, Michelle, that's awesome. Mashallah, it's very nice to have you here. Okay, right, let's have a look here on Instagram. Okay, great question. So Huda, Huda's World has asked, what Charlotte Mason books do you recommend as a first book to read? I was actually looking through all of my books uh, today because I wanted to send a book to one of my one-on-one uh, -on -one clients. And I think as a new Charlotte Mason homeschooler, or if you're interested in finding out more, there are two books I'd probably recommend for you. There is, I can't reach it from here, <laughs> but there's one book called For the Children's Sake by Susan Schaefer Macaulay. That is a beautiful book. Um, it is written for the Christian audience, but it's a fantastic uh, introduction to the Charlotte Mason method and beautifully written. Um, another great book is The Charlotte Mason Companion by Karen Andriola. That is a lot more practical. It tries to show you how to actually implement that in your home. So those are the two books I would recommend. Um, the Charlotte Mason Companion is a bit harder to get hold of, 
but keep your eyes open. You might be able to find some secondhand copies, especially on A books that might be worth looking into. Okay, another question. Um, so we have um, Shazana K says, Assalamu alaikum, alaikum salam. My almost seven-year-old does narration every day, but just once. Is that okay? Yeah, that's absolutely fine. But I would try to increase it gradually. Um, if you can increase it to the point where, you know, at least, I wouldn't, I don't want to say every time you do a reading, but almost every time that either he is reading or you are reading aloud, he is giving a narration. Um, but yes, once a day is a great place to start. Um, and if he is already doing that consistently, then why not add in one more? Um, and then once you get to the point where he's about nine years old and he's comfortable writing at least five sentences, then start slowly introducing written narration where he will write that narration just once a week. Then again, slowly increase that to perhaps twice a week um, until you get to a point where you're getting at least one written narration every day. Okay. So Nafisa has asked, how would you implement this while teaching? I'm not sure what you mean. <laughs> because for in a Charlotte Mason homeschool, Nafisa, this happens after you read or after your child reads. So that the main focus here is you read aloud a chapter from a book and then you stop and you say to your child, okay, tell me on your own words what you understood from that. And they will go through it in hopefully the order that you read it and they'll tell you what they took from it. Um, and that's how you implement it. And then you may go back and continue the lesson, depending on the length of your lesson. Or you might stop there and move on to the next subject. Um, okay. Okay, Robbie, I will check, inshallah. Um, there's no sound. Somebody is saying there's no sound Instagram. Is this still, can anybody hear me? Have I been talking to myself um, for the last 20 minutes? Um, okay, so the ink writer said, could this be done like a Q&A setting? Uh, what, do you mean me answering your questions in a Q&A setting or do you mean like for your child? I just wanna, actually, I just wanna touch on this briefly. If you're doing a narration with your child, it's really important that when they narrate, you let them complete their thought, okay? So they start, maybe they start in the wrong place. Maybe they say something that's wrong completely. Don't interrupt them, okay? Allow them to complete their narration because they might correct themselves. Um, allow them to do the whole narration. Do not uh, correct them, especially if they're speaking orally. Um, and then at the end, you just, move on. You acknowledge what they've done and you move on. You don't pick out any mistakes. If they've written something, there's a spelling mistake or a grammatical error, Charlotte Mason taught us not to bring that to the attention of the child, not to reprimand the child in front of him. Instead, you just make a note somewhere in your notebook that you need to teach your child how to spell that word at a later date. Because the point of this is not only writing and all of those things, but it's also to encourage them and give them confidence and you just don't want to knock them back. Um, so be careful how you correct mistakes uh, and be careful how you um, you point things out that might be wrong. Um, 
Any advice how to teach Arabic when you know zero Arabic? Were, were you familiar with Arabic before you converted? Ha, I would love to, I'd love for my daughter to be better than I am. My only advice for you is to get a tutor or find some classes locally. That's what I did for my kids. We started very basic um, vocabulary with them, which I could manage. Um, but then after that, I had to get them some help from outside. Um, and that has definitely been worth the investment. Uh, I would recommend that to you, Michelle. Um, okay, Kathy said, I have a nine and 11 year old boys and they struggle to remember what I read, often only producing one or two written sentences on their narration sheet. Okay, so Kathy, that could be, I mean, that could be a, a, you know, a character discipline issue, which you would be aware of, and you can, you can address that. Or if they really are struggling, it might be the material that you're reading. Some material is just easier to narrate than others. So for example, a book that is very heavy on, you know, setting the scene and descriptive passages like that, or is very heavy on dialogue, those kinds of books are very hard to narrate. But a book that is fast paced, that's got a lot of action going on, those are a great place to uh, to start for those of for those children who are struggling with narration. So maybe you could change the book to something where there's a lot more going on and you could shorten the amount that you're reading um, every time you're asking for a narration. Um, so Rida has asked, welcome Salam, is this narration the most basic form of homeschooling? reading a book and having them narrate back. Yeah, kind of, Rida. I don't like the word basic, but it's the most simple and effective. So we talked about that Pareto principle where 20% of your actions lead to 80% of your results. So narration is like that little magic key that unlocks so much. And sometimes in education and with raising children and with homeschooling, we overcomplicate things. Her narration is a way to get back to a very simpler, but more effective way of educating your children at home. Um, okay, oh, we have one more here. Anissa says, um, a narration for a struggling child, age nine, how often should they be reading themselves or be read to? Um, so, yeah, if they are struggling, Anissa, you know, like I said to the other sister, shorten the length of the passages that you're requiring a narration from. Perhaps just do it once a day. Have a shorter passage. Make sure it's the right kind of material where there is a lot that they could talk about. Um, and and just be patient and keep at it persistently. Because like I said at the beginning, it's those children that really struggle with narration that need it the most. And I've seen with my own son who struggled with narration and who now can do it comfortably, as he became more comfortable in narration, his confidence grew. You know, when you have all these thoughts in your head, but you can't find the words to express them, I must, I would imagine it was frustrating for him. But narration helped him to find a way to express himself. And so, Anissa, if you can stick with it, give them shorter passages, perhaps easier passages, and um, just once a day ask for a narration and slowly, slowly increase, inshallah. Okay. Oh, another great question. Okay, one last question, and then we're going to wrap it up. Okay, so um, George... Natana, I think I said that right. George Natana said, how does narration work for three different age groups? Would you do it separately? No. 
um, unless they're very wide apart, you can do it together. So the way that we do it in our homeschool is I will read a book. It is a living book. If you're not familiar with what that means, Google it. But it basically means a really good book where there's, you know, it's really inspiring and it's full of ideas. And you as a parent also enjoy reading it. But look that up, living books. You read it to all three children, assuming they're close enough in age. And then you do, before you read, you don't tell them who's going to narrate. Because if you tell them that which one's going to narrate, the other two may not concentrate. So just keep that quiet, read your passage, read your chapter, and then you just select one child to narrate back to you. That Don't be tempted then to say, okay, what about you? Do you want to add anything? What about you? Do you want to add anything? Don't do that because what that will do, it will, it will cause bad feeling between siblings. It might cause some kind of rivalry, competition, it might upset one. So just one narration per reading and you don't tell which child um, ahead of time who's going to be narrating. Okay, let's wrap it up. So I have a next week, we're going to be doing another episode and I have a really big announcement um, about something really good I have planned for Ramadan. I have a month long event for this community um, in a, I hope that it's going to serve you guys and your children, especially in a really big way. And I'm going to be letting you know more about that next Sunday. So make sure that you tune in to find out what I have planned for your children's Ramadan, inshallah. Um, and before we wrap up, I just want to, to leave you with a quote. You guys know I like to do that. <laughs> so the quote to end this episode is, it's by Robert Louis Stevenson. And he said, um, don't judge each day by the harvest you reap but by the seeds you sow. And so often as homeschooling parents, we judge our efforts. We judge our homeschooling day by how many worksheets we got through, how many math maths questions were completed. But narration is the seeds that you are sowing in your children. So if you do nothing else in your homeschool, narrate, narrate in your homeschool. Those are the seeds that you are sowing in your children. Now, don't forget, if you are looking for a tutor for your children, check out Tutorful. The link is with this video in the show notes to this podcast and on Instagram. It's in my profile. Um, I will see you next Sunday, inshallah, for another episode of the Raising Mums podcast and that big announcement for Ramadan, inshallah. Asalaamu Alaikum. Have a beautiful day. Take care. If you enjoyed today's episode, then don't forget to leave a five-star rating and a written review to let new listeners know why you love the Raising Mums podcast.